Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Our podcast takes you to explore art scenes at the center and fringe of the global stage. Today's story is part of our Puerto Rico Rising series, episodes that introduce the island's radical leaders, resilient artists, and resistance to foreign fantasies. In 2018, two years after Hurricane Maria devastated the Caribbean islands of Dominica, St. Croix, and Puerto Rico, Art in America published an expose by San Juan-born and based curator Marina Reyes-Franco. Journalists were comparing Puerto Rico to Greece, Detroit, and New York of the 1970s, she wrote prompting myriad articles about its economic woes and the population's resilience. Central to many of these stories were inspiring narratives about artists and entrepreneurs responding to the crisis. One year later, in 2019, we journeyed to the island to record voices from the cultural scene. The artists we meet convey the promise and pathos of the Caribbean island. They offer insight into how art joins forces with the strength of community. Just one example of Puerto Rico's sense of creative solidarity is a February 2019 Facebook post we discovered. Michael Linares, co-director of the socially engaged art space Beta Local, shared the excitement of a listening session with sound artist Fabian Wilkins Vélez. Wilkins performed in the back of a van on a street corner in Old San Juan. Local artists and cultural agents founded Bero Local in 2009. At the time of our 2019 visit, artist co-directors are Sofia Gaisa Muriente, Pablo Guardiola, and Michael Linares. Together, they managed Beta Local's research and production incubator, a residency program, and an experimental educational platform. On arrival, we sit down with Gaisa in an outdoor cafe to find out what lured her back to Puerto Rico. I lived in New York for nine years. I went to film school there. And I think for a long time I was looking for ways of moving back here, but I wasn't sure how to make that happen and how to make that work. I was having a really hard time pursuing my own artistic projects in New York because I kept getting distracted with so many other things. I felt like Puerto Rico is where I wanted to be making art, not New York. And in 2013, I decided to apply La Practica, which is one of the core programs of Beta Local, thinking that that would give me an excuse to, to come here for nine months and try to see if the conditions were here to remain here. I was really fortunate that not only did it turn out that I really was interested in pursuing my own artwork and found a place from which I could connect to a broader community of people thinking and making things that were interesting to me and stimulating, but also I ended up 
staying at the Talocal as one of the co-directors. And I feel really, really fortunate to be in that space, in this country, in this moment. Our moods and emotional state definitely shifted with the hurricane. It was already like very affected by the political and economic conditions in Puerto Rico. So when you look at strategies for making artwork or for surviving as an artist or how people who choose to be an artist in Puerto Rico make it work, you're not talking about the last year and a half, you know? It's a long history where artists have always been in a state of emergency. The artist considers how the tropical climate affects memory. One of the things that I had always been really fascinated by but had never really focused more deeply on was the idea of decay in the tropics, about how humidity and salt and mold are these invisible forces that are always active in the tropics, corroding and eroding, making things deteriorate and and rot, and how that establishes a duration for everything, an impermanence of everything that is material. For example, as a video artist, I had always been struck by how hard it was to find archival footage in Puerto Rico because so much film has been lost to mold. But to me, it was really clear that the climate had something to do with the impermanence of the material evidence of history. To see the devastation of Maria and to see, for example, how it tore through a lot of archives in Puerto Rico, you know, and destroyed and compromised huge important collections of documents and historical material. You have to stop framing it in regards to like theoretical frameworks or discourses from other places, you know, where preservation is possible, where there's resources and an interest in conservation and things can be everlasting. How does that look in the new work? I've been doing a lot is experimenting with processes of biodeterioration. The first work that I made as part of that right after the storm was about corrosion of celluloid and how black and white film, which is silver-based, how it responds to salt and corrosion. I had been filming this ice skating rink in the west coast of Puerto Rico, which to me was already related to an interest that I have in assimilationist you know, or aspirational attitudes in Puerto Rico about the U.S. and the cold and the winter and the snow. I had all this black and white footage of children in this ice skating rink on the beach. And I decided to expose that film to salt that I gathered here and to humidity from my house to try to see if in some way I could transfer that humidity onto the film and make that invisible force visible. I made a piece called Assimilate and Destroy. It's not only that I accelerated the corrosion of this film, but also that I allowed for crystals from the salt to create a new image on that film. When salt is eating the celluloid, what's happening at a molecular level is that the salt is breaking apart the bigger molecules and making them smaller so that it can assimilate them, so that it can eat them. Once I discovered that assimilation and destruction could be parallel processes scientifically. That to me seemed like a really poignant and symbolic thing to think about that duality of eternally lamenting the destruction and the loss of historical evidence, for example. How can that destruction be productive sometimes? 
for artists in Puerto Rico that work with archival material. The conditions of archives today are such that maybe at some point our artwork will be in some way the new document that survives. In 2020, Sofia Gaisa turned to focus exclusively on her art making. With the support of curator friend Marina Reyes Franco, she completed a new film. Sighted on Puerto Rico's southwest coast, Celaje, or Cloudscape, features 16 millimeter and Super 8 footage and an original score by Jose Ivan Lebron Morera. The work is an elegy to the death of the Puerto Rican colonial project and the layered residue of the island's disaster history that shapes the topography. Las rocas constituyen gran parte de nuestra tierra. Los montes y las montañas son de roca y los llanos y los mares descansan sobre rocas. On the breezy terrace of Beta Local, co-director Michael Linares shares his story. We first discovered his work in 2016 at the Sao Paulo Biennial, where he created a museological display around an unassuming yet elemental object, a stick of wood. I've been involved with Beta Local since its beginning. I was part of the first group of La Práctica, which is a group of people who stay together for a year and they share their practices in different ways. So they can like contaminate each other with their way of thinking. I've been part of Betalocal since 2010, since its beginning. I now co-direct the program with Sofia and Pablo. It's not an exhibition space, it's a residency and educational programs yeah. for the community, you are considered a really important resource for Puerto Rico. One of the most interesting qualities of Beta Local is that it's kind of like an elastic shape, so we can transform our practices in whatever the necessity of the cultural producers of the island are. What's happening with your work? I'm working on how objects relate you know, metaphorically and practically. In 2014, I started a project called El Museo del Palo, which is a museum of the stick. And I started that project because I wanted to understand how a metaphor was made or how thoughts work. So I decided to find material evidence on metaphor making, and that brought me to the stick as a subject of study. A stick could be just a, a twig of a tree, but it could be a tool that you use for scratching your back or just to reach a fruit from a tree or help you point or direct an orchestra. This project you took to the Sao Paulo Biennial. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to develop the project as I wanted to. Uh, because Beta Local gave me a grant. So I ended up doing an exhibition here at Casa del Sargento, 2015. I presented it in the Sao Paulo's Biennial, 2016. After that, I presented it on El LACMA, 2017. So it's kind of like a traveling show. 
and it's a context-sensitive uh, show. In every place of the world, you can find sticks, and there's specific relations to that object. Tonight, there's going to be a special program that's connected with the Kite Festival yeah. that Chemi Rosado is bringing to La Perla. An artist from Switzerland is invited yeah. to bring a workshop. He's going to show uh, previous experiments on wind and acoustics and music and sound. It seems highly relevant and resonant as a subject, the wind, yeah. considering the vulnerability of the island. After the hurricane has been like more present, not uh, only as a physical force or energy, but also as a subject. For decades, we've been following artist Chemi Rosado Sejo's brilliant activist projects. Traveling to San Juan gives us the chance to meet him in real life. Rosado's open-air studio is situated on the second floor of a commercial building a few blocks from the Museum of Contemporary Art. He set up chairs for us on a skate ramp at the heart of his workspace. You're a skater? Yeah, I do skate. That's how I draw. <laughs> and that's how me and my friends draw. Not only the space, as the architect will say, but also as we draw in on top of the canvases or the mysonite, depending on the surface. A ready-made canvas yeah, right yeah, here. That's right. Before we, we had the studio, we collaborated painting the ramp white and, and writing it for a year and then exhibiting that in the Museum of Contemporary Art right here on the side. We're just in time to talk about La Chiringa de la Perla, the annual kite festival that Rosado co-founded with residents. The neighborhood lies beneath the walls of Old San Juan, between two historic forts. Once a year now, hundreds of bright handmade kites rise up to celebrate the pearl. Rosado himself is an avid kite maker, or chiringuera. It's the fourth kite festival in La Perla, a project that came from the idea of having like kites made by the residents and flew them on the same day at the same time. So we will have like La Perla on top of the uh, walls of Old San Juan, out of the hole, as we call La Perla the hole, right in the streets. Kites are so part of La Perla. And once we did the first one that thousands of people and families came to admire La Perla and the people from La Perla were so happy, they start to say, let's do it again. <laughs> now, this year, we even have a collaborator, Florent Dombois, to do an orchestra of kites with instruments. Jamie Rosado is perhaps best known for his collaborative transformation of El Cerro. Green paint was all it took to make residents proud of their remote and struggling town. A community that clings to the mountains of central Puerto Rico. And it's in El Cerro, so it's the hill or the hillside, the name of the community. There's three mountains of houses inside of this huge greener mountain. Uh, and, and it's in the middle of the town. And it was a moment also of testing if art 
and aesthetics could actually do something about society. And in this case, maybe not in terms of economics, but it's the arts education was super nice and well received. I mean, we did have problems in the way. If there's no problems, it's not real, I will say. But that transformed the community in a way, but also it transformed me completely in a way that I will never work again in the same way that I used to work probably. People from El Cerro definitely became proud of being from El Cerro and everyone, not only the ones that were proud because it was supposed to be bad neighborhood or poor or revelish, but it was also people, you know, the people that are nurses and that work in the city and when they are asked, they probably say like, hey, I live in Naranjito, <laughs> but not I live in El Cerro. We start painting. The Green has uh, certain issues with politics because it's pro-independentist party use it. And also it was kind of like ugly because being from the countryside is supposed to be bad when you are from this uh, colonized by the U.S. Uh, territory. You know, like modernism is supposed to be like the goal. So in a way we kind of like broke those barriers. That's super beautiful. And, and also painting houses mean going to the houses, going to the neighbor's houses. So it does has a social structure on it if you're doing it like for real. So you see the longevity of your action. It's not such a legacy and it's getting repainted and kept fresh yeah, so yeah, yeah. it keeps in people's minds. See. So yeah, definitely. I mean, El Cerro is kind of like family for me. Now people from El Cerro come to the Kite Festival in La Perla. So you'll be bringing the country to the city <laughs> this, this week. <laughs> so I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have brought the city into the country many times so now it's time for them to come back. While in Puerto Rico, we stay in an apartment attached to the home of local filmmaker Yaima San Fiorenzo and her family. We sit down together in the garden one afternoon to hear her philosophy on filmmaking. I have a project that's called Self-Portrait Factory. I started when I finished in Cuba. I actually wrote the methodology there, and I had the opportunity to travel to Africa two times with the Sahrawi refugee camps, and Colombia already three times working with different groups of adults and kids, Dominican Republic, in Cuba itself, Puerto Rico, and Germany. And this uh, moment gave me like a really fresh view of what humanity wants to say about themselves. I work with a lot of people who want to show their identity when I work in jail, when I work with uh, LGBTT groups or people that do want to say something about themselves but not necessarily show their faces. So they had the opportunity to use essay as storytelling process. For me, it's a great project because I am still the director, but co-directing with them while they are trying to find a better way to show who they are. Following the devastation of Hurricane Maria, the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation stepped in with funding for the Puerto Rican Arts Development Initiative. Northwestern University facilitated a local mentorship program that matched Yamada San Fiorenzo with socially engaged artist Jamie Rosado Sejo. I think it's the first time that something like this had happened in the island with island-based artists. 
from these 10 artists and the practices they support, I think I am the only one working on media and video. They gave me the opportunity as a filmmaker to restart a practice which is video art, which is for me very, very important because I can talk about my society from a different point of view with metaphors. I studied literature before, I studied a film. For me, metaphor is very important and I think our island has a metaphoric construction. I need this moment of poetry to really talk about what is happening. You have a mentor that's an artist from Puerto Rico. Yes, I am working with Chemi Rosado Sejo. What have you been working on? It's amazing because we like to travel. So our meetings are in the car, driving through the mountains, going with the camera. And the first uh, thing we met was two oxen. We met these two animals, two beasts, and we start filming them. Then finally watching here the material in my studio, I saw what I was looking for, which was like not really the, the, the beast that works, that needs to work for the human, but actually like the essence of life. We finally got him breathing and the mountain breathing at the same time. This is the Fresh Art International podcast. Our conversations with artists illuminate the positive energy and do-it-yourself attitude demanded of those who choose to live and create in Puerto Rico. Tested daily, they strive to sustain a vibrant cultural life on the island. These artists enable others to rise, both emotionally and physically, above the challenging everyday circumstances that limit opportunities to survive and thrive on this island. If you like what you're hearing, please take a few minutes to rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you go to listen. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, and listeners like you, Make Fresh Art International possible. Visit our site to learn more and explore the podcast archive we've been building since 2011. While you're there, sign up for our latest news and give a donation to support these stories. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk. <laughs>